Hello, I'm Jason Solomons, and you're listening to an adrenaline fueled calorie-packed, sound-filled edition of Sounds Jewish from The Guardian, in this month's podcast. A left hand, right hand over the top, and Salita is down from only the third punch in the contest. A crushing right hand over the top, and Salita is down inside the first few seconds. Oh, we had high hopes for Dimitri, star of David Salita, the most recent in a long line of Jewish boxers. We shall be examining what happened in the ring. Where did it all go wrong for Dimitri Salita? Plus, we'll be doing our due review of the decade as the noughties draw to a close. And... Yes, it's Hanukkah time. And does this sound set your taste buds sizzling? Maybe it sends shockwaves to your heart. We'll be examining the love affair between the Jew and the deep-fried latke. So, that's food, fighting and a special live acoustic Jumungus set from American singer-songwriter Sean Altman, all in the next half hour of Sounds Jewish from The Guardian. Shalom, shalom. Seconds out, I'm joined in the ring. Yes, the boxing puns will be coming thick and fast by comedian, writer and performer and Yiddish expert David Schneider. Welcome, David. Thank you. Uh, I'm also joined by American singer-songwriter, as I said before, Sean Altman, whose UK tour begins this month. Nice to see you, Sean. Thank you very much. And we have The Guardian and Observer's boxing correspondent, Kevin Mitchell, who's hot-footed it back from the Metro Radio Arena in Newcastle to tell us all about the Salita Khan fight. Uh, Kevin, lovely to have you. Yeah, lovely to be here. Uh, David... um, uh, a long line of Jewish pugilism in your family? Uh, a long line of Jewish cowards, really. I mean, uh, I, I know that there were Jewish boxers, but, you know, I'm so uh, wood in the Woody Allen school of uh, Ashkenazi Jew that the idea of me being anywhere near a fight uh, is, is terrifying. Even, even saying the word has made me fearful. <laughs> Come out in hives. Uh, Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, you're a Brooklyn Jew. You're quite a big Jew as well. You're Jew I'm Mongers. actually a Bronx Jew, which is much, much tougher than a Brooklyn right. Jew. Right. So you were street fighting, Matt? Well, I actually did take boxing um, in summer camp. Jewish summer camp by a professional boxer, and um, I got my ass kicked. Um, my theory is that Jews need to get out of the ghetto, and, and there's two ways to do it. You can either fight your way out, or you can think your way out. And in my case, I thought about fighting my way out unsuccessfully. And now you're singing your way out, yes. which is lovely. Uh, Kevin, you're not Jewish. No Jewish antecedents, as far as I know. But welcome, yeah, nevertheless. Yeah. Never let it be said that sounds Jewish doesn't let the, the, the wide church in to it, to its surrounds. Uh, but uh, Jewish boxing, I mean, you wrote a lovely article uh, in The Guardian about the history uh, of Jewish boxing. It, it is actually a strangely uh, kind of symbiotic relationship, Jews and pugilism. Very much so. It's got a glorious history that started in this country in the George in bare-knuckle times, there was a fighter called uh, Daniel Mendoza who was uh, the the master of scientific boxing in his time. Was he not indeed the first Jew to meet the King of England? He might have met George III. He certainly met uh, the Prince of Wales who became George IV, uh, who was his patron for a couple of fights. Um, And he was fated by uh, London society generally. He was regarded as something of a wit and a character, uh, very independent and feisty uh, sort of sort of bloke, um, and was was a huge hero in his day. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll look at more uh, East End Jewish boxers uh, and the great tradition. But now let's go back up to Newcastle. What a fight it was lined up to be. Amir Khan defending his WBA light welterweight title against the tough former Ukrainian immigrant to New York, Dmitry Salita, now an American citizen, living in Brooklyn. 
apart from the usual pre-match hype, what made this fight even more compelling was that Dimitri Salita is an orthodox Jew, wears the star of David on his shorts and robe, and refuses to fight on Shabbos. Indeed, he insisted the fight could not begin until Shabbat had come to an end. The sun had gone down, at least he's in England, and it happened about five o'clock, so we could have a nice evening uh, around the telly on Saturday night. The British fighter, Amir Khan, of course, is a practising Muslim from Bolton, and though they were keen to play down the religious divide, the sight of these two warriors facing each other in the ring was inherently dramatic. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting and introducing from Brooklyn, New York, USA, please welcome the challenger for the title and WBA number one contender, Dimitri Salita. Now, those boos surely couldn't have been because he was Jewish. Kevin, you were at ringside. Can you take us through those opening seconds? Because it's quite a parade when Salita comes in. I mean, as a Jewish viewer, you're watching, you're saying, I mean, it's always nice to see Jews on the screen, but Mm. uh, to see them going into a boxing ring, it's it's, it's a little incongruous. Well, I suppose it is in modern times. And as as we were saying, the history is is fairly glorious. But what what I loved about his entry, uh, the music, which I didn't recognise by name, sounded like some Yiddish reggae tune, which was... uh, Mattis Yahoo, a man who only last month was sitting in that chair as our musical guest. Oh, okay, it was fantastic. I mean, it was was great. I mean, it got the place going. And uh, there was a lot of goodwill... Between the fighters, um, of course he got booed, but you know, every, uh, you know, everyone get, gets booed if they, if they come from abroad anyway. Although he was pretty well received. And, and when it came and went so quickly, it, it was pretty stunning. It was almost as if we didn't know it had happened. And I don't think, I don't think Dimitri was quite aware of it, it had happened either. What, what was the audience like? like the, the, was there tensions? Because there were, there were some Orthodox Jews that travelled up. Mm. I don't know how they got there in time. Um, you know, yeah. Were they there in their, in their Orthodox outfits? Yeah, kind they of, had the whole kit, outfits, you know, yeah. the hats, the lot. Golders Green and Hendon were well represented. There were about 150, I think, who came up. And they, they got there about an hour before the fight. Um, so there was a minion. Yes, oh, there was enough. We, 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 could, we could get going. And, and was it, was there was a strong Muslim faction as well? Yeah, yeah, there was, there was a pretty big uh, Muslim contingent. The, the sort of uh, barracking you get at any fight, I mean, it's a pretty raucous atmosphere at, a, at, at any big fight. So it all got mingled up, and I don't think there was any sort of tension, if you'd like to put you, it like you, that. You, as, as, as boxing writer extraordinaire and the, and the coterie of boxing fighters that there were... You, you, I must say, you sort of did quite well in not going for the Jewish-Muslim thing that often during... Mm. Is that because you wanted to concentrate on, on the noble art itself or is it because it, it's too fraught with tension to concentrate well, on it and, it, and hide? It, it was a delicate, delicate balance, really, uh, because it, it's a thing you, you couldn't possibly ignore. As far as anyone can work out, it's the first world title fight between a Jew and a Muslim. Uh, and that covers quite a lot of territory going back a long, long way. Mm. And, and both fighters handled it with dignity and intelligence. And, and I think the writers responded to that. Were you uh, were intrigued by the, the Muslim Jew face-off? Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I only heard about it very recently. And uh, it, it is a strange thing. I mean, I was, you know, I was sort of joking about how, look, we've had trouble sorting out the whole Israel-Palestine thing. Why don't we just abandon diplomacy and let the winner 
take Jerusalem and just keep it like that. But uh, I don't think there was much. Uh, I think I was on, on my own in proposing that. But visually, it was quite. It was quite strong. Seeing oh, yeah. Star and David in, yeah. in blazing. But that's quite a tradition, isn't it? There was a. There's an American uh, boxer who used to come in at Madison Square Garden and do his undo his kind of uh, to fill in. They're called the kind of yes. religious bands. They used to kind of make a big show of that yes. uh, back in the in, in the 30s, I think, in Madison Square Garden. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it go, the, 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 there are statistics about that about a third of American boxers in the 20s were Jewish. And some of them uh, weren't Jewish, as it turns out, but it was uh, lucrative to, to say that you were. It was commercially a good thing to be Jewish. Really? Mm, absolutely. Right. We get big fortunes for this show. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, my son, the boxer? Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right now. <laughs> the history, let's go back on, on, on that history we were talking about. I mean, it is... Uh, I, I saw Dimitri Silitis sort of saying, well, he was pleased to be in England because... Uh, England was really the home of Jewish boxers to start with. I mean, we're going back to sort of 150 years. But the East End, whence my uh, my grandfather comes from, he, he's, he was always talking about, you know, the Allgate Tiger and yes. Ted Kid Lewis. What was the attraction for an East End boy to become a boxer? Why was there such a sort of production line? Uh, well, the, the oldest reason in the world is money, and a lot of them were emigres and uh, were in pretty, you know, dire circumstances financially. And, and it was one way out, uh, as you were, you were saying earlier, you know, you, you fight or think your way out of, of um, a ghetto or, or whatever you like to call it. And that's what they did in those days. And, and they were pretty good at it. As Dimitri was saying, who was very articulate on the subject, he said it's, it's in the Jewish spirit to fight, maybe not metaphorically or with your fists or uh, however you like to describe it. And that's where he gets a lot of his inspiration from. It, he was joined a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, Yuri Foreman, who I that's think right. won. Mm. We got the Jewish winner. Uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're all losers. That must uh, big up <laughs> Yuri Foreman. He's WBA champion himself. And he, at his press conference, said he's studying to be a rabbi. So he's, right. he's fitting in training in between his Talmudic studies. Well, it was interesting the reception he got in New York from some of the conservative rabbis who said he shouldn't be boxing. And I asked Dimitri about that. And he said, well, we're not exactly on the same page with that one because I'm not trying to be a rabbi. And, and that's where he's come up against those sort of problems. So rabbis shouldn't box, they say. Well, that's the, the, the view of some conservative rabbis in New York and, and whether that... I, I, Is I, that I, so I, controversial? <laughs> you say that as if, yeah, I mean, have you heard? They think rabbis shouldn't box? How shocking! <laughs> this is our new... This is like the gay bishop scandal. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that you say because you were in the ghetto, you, you fight, and presumably that's when then, then, then black athletes came to dominate the, the ring as well because they probably were, were, were poorer and they had to fight mm. their way out, out of the ghetto in the sort of the classic Tyson kind of way. Uh, but, Dave, where did you think it became uh, that, that Jews... We, we now find it so odd that Jews are boxers. When Jews became successful, did they just put the gloves down? I don't need to get hit anymore. Yeah, I'm going to uh, do the accounting. Yeah, I suppose it's just as you become middle class, as the, as the Jewish community becomes middle class. But it's also interesting just to hear that um, Dimitri, I'll call him Dimitri, he's my pal, obviously. Dimitri says that it's, you know, it's in the Jewish spirit to fight. I think it is in the Jewish spirit to argue, but uh, maybe it's a sort of post-World War II Holocaust thing that we... we we think Israel, they fight, and we in the diaspora, we're sort of, yes, we argue, we, we have other ways to to um, defend ourselves. Uh, and fighting the stereotype now is so much that we're unphysical. Mm. That, you know, if you're doing Jewish comedy, you'll always get a laugh talking about Jews doing sport and my son, I watch my son playing football. These are the, yeah, the idea of a, of a Jew boxing now in the stereotypical Northwest London Jew is, is, is really hard to get your head around. Are there any, I mean, you're a, a Yiddish literary scholar, uh, if, we, if we may say, are there any Yiddish starker characters or, or, or is, there, is the, the, yeah, the kind of... Yeah, it would be the, 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 the cliche in Yiddish is send for the blacksmith. 
in the shtetl, there'd be, you know, there, we'd all be learning Torah. We'd be, you know, with tailors or whatever. There's trouble. There's a pogrom. Send for the blacksmith. <laughs> the, the, the schneed, as we'd say in Yiddish, yeah. would come and he'd sort everyone out. He was the starker. He was the big lad. Was he Jewish, though? Um, and, uh, yeah, he would be the Jewish. Right. The Jewish. The, the, if you were a big lad and you were uh, a Jew, you would be the blacksmith in the shtetl. And then, obviously, the, the starker, the, the strong man, that's, there's the whole sort of criminal gangster element. Um, when Jews, for a while, uh, were, uh, you know, obviously, just for a moment, were involved in, <laughs> in criminality. The tiniest <laughs> fraction of a moment and then you would have your starkers your 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 big jews but but in my head it's 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 an alien thing for our our sort of diaspora jews. yeah i mean it, it just struck me uh, I, i'm a, a boxing fan uh, uh, and my father was as well but we were watchers we're not not, not participators and there's a great tradition of boxing uh, writing by by jews bud schulberg mm. norma mailer uh, is that something you're aware of there's still yeah. a lot of boxing writers are a lot of them jewish colin hart who's sort of been a sort of tabloid doyen for yeah. 30 odd years is, is jewish um there's a few others knocking about for, uh, friends of mine um, yeah, I mean, it, that's part of an East End thing as well, I think, because that's where a lot of boxing writers came from in, in, in this country. In America, you know, as you say, Bud Schulberg uh, sort of, I suppose, is the one that, that springs to he mind. He wrote, wrote In the Waterfront. For just, uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, and Stephen Burkhoff brought him over to do On the Waterfront on the stage not, not long ago. Well, looking at, the, um, at that, that sort of the Jewish boxing history, and I'll mention Yuri Foreman there and I'm mentioning Dmitry Silito. Presumably Israel has quite a decent boxing team come the Olympics time. Is is Jewish boxing on the rise again, or are these two flashes in the uh, in the frying pan of the kitchen? I, I think, yeah, I think the latter. Actually, to be honest with you, I, I, there aren't that many Jewish boxers out there. That, there haven't been that many in this country for quite a long time. Absolutely beautiful to to have you in there. Thank you so much. I know it was an extremely busy weekend when there's a, a title fight uh, on for you. So uh, I've really enjoyed reading all your your, your pre match hype and your your post match analysis uh, as well. Uh, Salita, where where for him now though? If we want to support our Jewish boxer, he's got to pick himself up up off the floor. I mean, it was a hell of a beating he took. Mm. Uh, what does he do now? Well, it's very tough. Uh, he slips down the pole a bit. Uh, as uh, Amir Khan did 15 months ago when he was uh, knocked out in, in a round as well. And, and then it's about connections. Uh, that's the, the key in boxing. And if he can uh, get back into the, to the mainstream of it, he's, he might have another shot down the road. I mean, he's a ter- determined young man. Let's hope he does. Kevin uh, uh, Mitchell, boxing correspondent for The Observer and The Guardian. Uh, thank you for joining us on Sounds Jewish. Thanks very much. Pleasure. <laughs> David Schneider and Sean Altman are still here. Sean, uh, you're going to perform a, a song for us now, your very first uh, live set for us here on Sounds Jewish, the Hanukkah edition. So what are you going to sing for us uh, now as Jumungus? This song is about the perils of mixed marriages. I don't mean, you know, human I, animal. I mean, I mean Jew, it's enough non-Jew. enough already. Yeah. <laughs> you, do you need you? It embarrasses you when I check the check at a fancy restaurant. And you hate eating bagels and lox for breakfast when bacon's what you want. We've shared wine and song and fluid still. It's time to say adieu. For though you think love's on the brink, I'm just too Jew for you. I admire your fur but can't quell my urge to ask how much it cost. 
And I swing every casual conversation to Hitler and the Holocaust. <laughs> and so, dear friend, it's time we end our passion pod de jupe. For it's too likely I'm too kikely Just to Jew for you Just to Jew for you I'm just too, too Jew for you And I can't forget That you can't forgive Woody Allen For that soon-y thing <laughs> And it wrecks our sex That your Christian yin's too big For my Jew yang so new my Shana Shiksa, there's one jigsaw piece askew. Cause you feel gypped that I was clipped, I'm just too chew for you. Every night when we're banging, there's Jesus hanging on the cross <laughs> above your bed. Well, Christ on a bike, he could look more psyched to see a Jew boy getting head. When I said talk dirty, I meant talk flirty, not call me a dirty Jew. <laughs> Just when I think you abhor me, you come back for more of my Judeosyncrasy. Maybe I'm not too Jew for you, you're just too wasp for me. You're just too wasp for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, Sean, we'll hear a bit more from you and your album uh, and your Jumongous persona uh, soon, but uh, do stay there because uh, we're going to look back on the past decade, what end-of-year review show would be complete without this. Um, it's uh, not just a year, it's a decade, of course, the highs and lows, but to counter all the testosterone we've had flying around in, in the studio today, we've been out and about, we've been asking Jewish women what their best Jewish moments have been of the last decade. The first national commemoration of Holocaust Memorial Day was definitely one of my highlights of the decade as a Jewish moment. As a Jewish kid growing up in Cardiff, there was such ignorance about the Holocaust that people used to call me a Nazi because my dad was German. And I think to see the amount of respect that was paid to the survivors and how much it meant to them and their families was just exhilarating. I went to see a play at the Hampstead Theatre, Three Sisters on Hope Street, um, directed by Diane Samuels. And um, it was a, a very, it was set just after the Second World War and it was a really Zionist and uplifting um, play and it focused on the positives of Israel as a country and why people should go there. And it was just a really uh, a nice contrast to hearing a bombardment of bad press um, about Israel in the media. My best Jewish moment of the last decade has been reading Howard Jacobson's Kaluki Nights. I thought it was his best novel yet, and particularly the last sentence, which was devastating and brilliant. And the reason why it was important was that it had the politics, the history, the pathos, the humour that added to my sense of who I am as a Jew. Jewish women that talk about their best Jewish moments of the last decade. Dave Schneider, there are highs and lows, uh, cultural and political, I suppose. Um, the last decade hasn't been great from an Israel point of view, no. one would uh, posit. I mean, the invasion uh, of Gaza uh, was particularly difficult, I think, for all Jews to kind of deal with. 
Yeah, I think it has been very, very difficult. Um, as a sort of vaguely left-wing, we're in the Guardian building here, so you know, you've got to be careful what you say, but as a vaguely left-wing Jew who vaguely, as a Jew, supports Israel, it's been very difficult to square the circle. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's what this decade... I've been, you know, we all have friends in Israel, family, and they've sort of given up. I feel there's a sense where they have... They say, like, with the security wall, you know, oh, my God, I'm talking politics here. But, um, you know, with the security wall, it's like it's they've given up. And I think that's what this has happened this decade. There's been some, a couple of very brutal uh, wars and invasions, and... You know, there, there doesn't seem to be any optimism, really. That has been countered by the highs of, uh, I suppose, that heightened political kind of atmosphere has led to a, a renaissance for me for, uh, as a film critic in Jewish film, which has actually blossomed over the last decade. The Jewish Film Festival here in the UK has become uh, sort of very kind of cemented in the landscape. And also, uh, a Jewish film has now won a major international award. It won at the Venice Film Festival, a film called Lebanon. Uh, and the success of uh, Ari Folman's Waltz with Bashir, which was a huge success at Cannes, and everyone was talking about it, we're, great high points for me and it, I think it's kind of signalled a, a sort of pride in, in Jewish culture we have this show Sounds Jewish which has been going for the last couple of years here at The Guardian uh, and I think it signals that we're not embarrassed about being Jewish anymore so in, it seems to me this decade Jews have sort of come out and sort of said yes, yes we're Jewish deal with it I think, we'll yeah, I think British Jews this decade have become more like uh, American Jews they've become prouder I think the Israel thing is a problem and the religious thing is something that a lot of Jews don't relate to. But I think that, like, you've got things like the JCC now, um, this podcast, as you say, you know, the, there's a lot of cultural events where people are finding ways to identify that 10, 15 years ago they, those options weren't so much there. Exactly. Sean, I don't know about uh, you in the US. It seems to me that the success of Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, has been a Jewish highlight. Seinfeld going, that was sad. Larry David re-coming re, re, re back like a vampire uh, <laughs> has been, I mean, the joy for me. You know, I, but it's, it's strange that you should mention Larry David. I think of Larry David, and I am, I am a fan. I think of him as, as, a, uh, as the successor to more to Woody Allen and to Mel Brooks, which is my parents and my childhood's mm. comedic sensibility. But I, I th- I, what I call the sort of Jewish hipster movement, um, which is a new, a new, more self-aggrandizing, more proud in your face, the Jew who hits back, unlike, you know, um, Salida, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, John Stewart, Sarah Silverman. But then there's the, the Bernie Madoff thing as well. Mm. I mean, that was like, like, please don't be Jewish. Please don't be Jewish. Oh, oh he's, he's Jewish. Jewish. No, terribly, no. Terribly dis- disheartening. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sean, uh, Jewish politics in the US uh, had a sort of in- interesting ride because the, the, the Bush regime was uh, sort of had sort of Jews involved. And now, but uh, Barack has now come along, obviously, one of the great events of the decade for, for anyone of any kind of ethnic minority. In fact, all of us. Um, uh, it was one of the great high points of the decade. Um, he's also kind of welcomed Jews into the White House, including yourself. I have not sung for for President Obama. Oh. I sang I sang twice for President you sang Bush. For Bush, yes, I, 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 <laughs> I know. So good. And, but to Let's my cut this but bit to, to my credit, <laughs> to my credit, uh, both times that I sang at the at the White House Hanukkah party, and I and I was, was like, why can't I be singing for a Democrat? Why can't I be yeah, singing? Yeah. So, so actually, I'm hoping that. Um, Did you do a subversive little song? No, no, no. I was singing with a Jewish a cappella group, very reverent. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but we did lead what we believe is the first horror ever in the White House. And that's what the, what the White House press person told us anyway. This like, is the first horror. The first, the first horror. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what about Monica Lewinsky? This the war together. against horror. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe it's time for maybe, – maybe we should have another song. Okay, what, don't, you don't sing, sing for your supper, if not for your for – singing for Bush. That's a strange kind of deal. Um, I hope it was successful. What are you going to do for us now? 
I'm going to do the story of every Jewish holiday because, you know, every Jewish holiday can be summarized with the expression, they tried to kill us, we survived. Gentlemen, let's eat. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. in this song, when I say let's eat, I'd like you to both say let's eat with your biggest, most starker voices. Okay. okay. Fantastic. <laughs> we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. The year was 1492. Huh. Hitler had just invaded Yonkers. Madonna had just become a Jew. Moses was found on the Potomac. Then he marched with Martin Luther King. He came back to free us from our bondage. Cause S&M has never been our thing. They tried to kill us, we survived. Let's eat. Let's eat. They tried to kill us, we were faster on our feet. So they chase us to the border, there's a parting of the water. Try to kill us, we survive, let's eat. Let's, let's eat. eat! Then the pharaoh, who looks like Yul Brenner, heard the Jews were trying to escape. Charlton Heston came right down from the mountain. He said, pharaoh, you're a damn dirty ape. The menorah was almost out of oil. Farrakhan was planning Kristallnacht. The gefilte was nearing extinction. It looked like Moses and his flock were fakakt. They tried to kill us, we survived. Let's eat. Let's eat. They tried to kill us, we were faster on our feet. But we knew how to resist, cause we'd rented Schindler's List. Tried to kill us, we survived. Let's eat. Let's, Let's eat. eat. We fled on foot, there was no time to tarry. Leavening the bread would take too long. All we had was egg foo young and matzah. While battling the fearsome Viet Cong. And so tonight we gather to remember the ancient Hebrews who paid the price. We have a Seder each year in December to commemorate our Savior Jesus Christ. Wait, that's not right? That's not right? <sighs> they tried to kill us, we survived. Let's eat. Let's eat. They tried to kill us, we were faster on our feet. But we never did succumb to the annual pogrom. Tried to kill us, we survived. Let's eat. Let's hey, eat. so come on, blow the chauffeur, cause they haven't nailed us so far. Tried to kill us, we survived. Let's eat. Let's eat! Hey! That's the way you escape from bondage, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Good. indeed. I'm, right. uh, I don't know about you, but my stomach is rumbling. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. What can I say? Uh, well, Hanukkah is fast approaching. I don't know about you. Just a few days to go. I've been dusting off my menorah. Actually, I, I must get my menorah. I'm moving house at the moment. The menorah's in storage. What am I going to do? Oy. Will you have enough oil? I don't know. How's it going to last? <laughs> um, Eight-prong candlestick is the menorah. Sorry for those of you not uh, not familiar with the Jewish symbol. Everyone knows a menorah. Uh, I've been practising dreidel spins, which is like a kind of hip-hop thing that I used to do, like a <laughs> crazy legs. Uh, gallons of oil. Gallons of oil, David. Don't worry. It's Hanukkah is not quite Hanukkah. I don't need the oil for my lights. You know, I need it for the heart attack-inducing fried food, the donuts and the luckers. So why our love affair with a deep, fat fryer at this time of year? Who better to ask but the Jewish princesses, better known as Georgie Tarn and Tracy Fine, two cooks who've revived the art of traditional Jewish cuisine. Complete with sparkling jewellery and stiletto heels, the Jewish princesses gave Sounds Jewish a masterclass in Lutkas. Over Hanukkah, we all put on weight because we eat loads and loads of fried foods, the iconic dishes being donuts and the recipe we're going to make for you today, wonderful potato luckers. They're 
actually incredibly simple to make once you figure out how to learn to use your magic mix. <laughs> well, should we talk about the ingredients? Yeah. We have some wonderful potatoes. Um, they're very large and just peel them and quarter them. And whilst you're doing it, leave them in some water so that you've got the, um, they're covered and they don't go black. Then you've got about four onions. Um, you've got some self-raising flour. You have about three eggs, salt and pepper. And obviously you need some oil, vegetable oil for frying. And I think that's about it. And then you can, when they're finished, dip them in applesauce and sour cream to add even more calories. So the first thing we're going to do, Tracy, is could you pass me some potatoes and we're going to get this Magimix working and um, push them through. And you can just get through the whole lot. Yeah, if you haven't got um, one of these machines, you can use a grater. You can, but it will take you absolutely ages. You've got to be... You've got to be careful of your nail varnish. It will chip off. (laughs) So what you do now is you take this off and then you get the uh, potato shredded onion and potato mix and you put it in a colander because you need to drain out all the juice. So the food we're cooking today is from an Ashkenazi heritage, so it came from Eastern Europe. You know, our heritage is from people that lived in shtetls, in villages. So they came out of there and they were women that used everything that was provided for them, the little they had, and they made it those small basic ingredients into wonderful, wonderful dishes like matzo balls or chulent. You know, they they used everything. And and also today... they. I think the art is forgotten. People are too busy working and running around and forgetting their roots and not make, making the foods that we take for granted. And then how are we going to pass those down to our children? You know, food reminds you of the memories of your own childhood and sitting down at Hanukkah, dipping latkes into apple sauce, all the different traditions. They're not always so much about the religious side of things, but simply about the foods that you ate. So we're going to crack on now by cracking our eggs for the luckers. It's all mixing together, incorporating into the potato pa- what will be the potato pancakes. Now, George and I like to work quickly because this takes ages, so we just have two frying pans on the go. So I'm using a vegetable oil. Don't be shy, but don't fill it to the top unless you want to visit from the fireman. So you want um, a high smoke oil. So, for example, you don't need to use olive oil. Vegetable oil or corn oil is fine. And just start it heating on a, a low light so it heats slowly. So you take a tablespoon of the mixture and you press it round in your hands and you then use something like a slotted spoon to gently lower it into the oil. Do not flip it from your hand into the oil because it will splatter like I did the other day and I burnt myself. Whilst you're doing it, you're squeezing out the excess water that's coming out of the lutka. Frying in itself is an art. 
you know, but once you've got to grips with it, you know, just, I think the, the thing to remember, and I'm sure Tracy will agree, is to stay focused, pick a quiet time in your house, don't have your children running about, put all the cats and dogs out of the house, you don't want anybody under your feet, so that when you fry, you're on your own. I would consider wearing a bath hat if I just had my hair done. Yeah, it's incredible. It's not a horrible frying smell. It's just a smell that takes you back to your grandma's kitchen, to your bubba's kitchen. can't wait to start eating <laughs> so they're just perfect little canapé latkes sitting on the plate with wonderful apple sauce and sour cream just talking to us to say eat me frying tonight don't you love it david short fans of the the latke david well, uh, yeah, but as your metabolism slows, they're more and more punishing. That's why, I, you know, if you if you did a little sort of picture of me every 10 years and the amount of luckers I can deal with, uh, it's less and less, which is a shame. It's uh, a, to like a lucker baby now, if you have one. I have, that's basically a crisp. <laughs> uh, a kettle chip, I hope. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Uh, are you, do you indulge in that? Big, in, fan, you, I mean, big I, fan of a lucker. Yeah? Oh, big fan. A New Yorker in, in London for Hanukkah? It, it's, you're going to be disappointed, I think. It's not such a big deal here. You know, it's not such a big deal anywhere really it's, it's not a big holiday Tell that to the maccabees it's not a big holiday you know if you it's it's, it's sort of like the, the the little joke among jews that uh you know when the hell is hanukkah no one seems to know when the hell hanukkah yeah, is. it changes <laughs> it changes but also it's it's a it's a very insignificant holiday but it's been uh it's been made big to i you know, to make, to make the, kids feel better about not getting christmas it's gifts. sort of the dimitri salita of holidays <laughs> it's been bigged up because christmas is there yeah. so we've gone you can take it you can take the christmas title yes. you can be the main festival of december and it's out in 40 seconds that is all we have time for in this edition of Sounds Jewish. Thanks to my guests on this month's show. David Schneider, thank you for coming in. Sean Altman, all the way from New York. Lovely to have you. And you'll be playing at Dingwalls, will you? I'm playing at, at Dingwalls, uh, Jumungus, on uh, December 23rd, yes. Fantastic. And Kevin Mitchell, boxing correspondent of The Guardian and The Observer. And, of course, to those lovely Jewish princesses. And to our sponsors, the Jewish Community Centre for London, who've enjoyed a fabulous decade. And we'll go from strength to strength in the next one no doubt. We're taking a month's break after Hanukkah, a chance to digest all that fried food, no doubt. And we'll be back revived, raring to go in February 2010. From me, Jason Solomon, and my producer, Sarah Peters, is goodbye. Shalom, shalom.